A warning to listeners before we start the show. This episode includes details of domestic violence and femicide, so please take care while listening. If you need help, you can call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233 or text the word START to 88788. In recent years, we've seen more and more catastrophic effects of climate change, from severe flooding to drought to landslides. And we talk a lot about the lives lost in these events, the homes and businesses destroyed. But there's another type of problem that can arise after this kind of devastation. Every time we see a blackout, a shutdown, COVID, right? where people are trapped, where stress is through the roof, we see spikes in domestic violence. We see more women, and it is still predominantly women, seeking safe haven in the shelters. Eva Rodriguez is the editor-in-chief of The Fuller Project, a global independent nonprofit newsroom that reports on issues affecting women around the world. She and her team partnered with The Post to look at how extreme weather increases cases of domestic violence. She says it's often a few weeks after a crisis hits, that there's an uptick in calls for help. Because it then is clear that you can't go back to work, you can't go back into your home, the stress just shoots up, and then you see the lashing out and women in particular reaching out for help. From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Elahe Izadi. It's Tuesday, January 24th. Today, my co-host Martine Powers talks with Eva about how extreme weather is driving up domestic violence around the world. We're looking at, for example, a severe storm that knocked out power for a day or two that required people to, say, move into alternate housing, whether it's a FEMA trailer or a government-subsidized motel. Looking at rates of women calling hotlines for domestic violence, looking at Google trends for people searching for shelters. So we start with the severe weather, and then we look for markers of increased spikes in domestic violence because people are reaching out for help, etc. And what did you find? We are in the process of really digging deep on the U.S. front on that. And believe it or not, there is so little information and data on domestic violence, on the correlation or the connection or whatever it may be, we're still reporting between severe weather and domestic violence. And we want to make sure that this is a subject and a phenomenon that is taken seriously. And this, in this day and age, data is incredibly important so that folks can't just flick off one story and say, well, that just happened once there, or well, that just happens overseas. No, this actually is a serious problem. And the silver lining, honestly, is when we know that there is a connection, we can prepare for it. So local officials, uh, first responders, they are always telling us, 
Stock up on water, stock up on canned foods. Well, part of that checklist should also be, and by the way, those of you who come in contact with folks who've been displaced um, or affected, be on the lookout for signs of domestic violence. Be available to offer help to someone because there is a correlation. So tell me a little bit about some of the conclusions from the data that you've seen so far in terms of this kind of connection. One number that really shocked us from a limited study in in Kenya looked at the rise in domestic violence in the aftermath of floods and droughts. And this particular paper said that there was a 60% spike in incidences of domestic violence. That's insane. Our jaws dropped. Again, we can't extrapolate from this study from other places, but is one example of a very specific look at a very specific place and then the aftermath. And it's just, uh, it's pretty horrible. So tell me about some of the women that you talked to for this story that have experienced those kinds of situations. So we talked to many, many women, but we focused, uh, for example, on a woman in Kenya who felt she had to leave her home and take her children with her and find uh, refuge in a, a in a domestic violence shelter because drought had essentially killed the cattle that were you know that that provided the family with income and with milk and etc um, just wipe wiped them out that so stressed out her husband that he started lashing out abusing her Um, and she felt she had to flee. That's a kind of stressor where you can't survive, you can't feed your children, the husband feels that he can't provide for his family and lashes out in frustration, not justifying it, but just trying to explain the dynamics there. Uh, We spoke to Devi in India, who experienced much of the same thing, but not because of drought, but because of floods. And she tells us very, very poignantly that every time that there is a flood, that her husband can't work, that her husband can't provide, that um, that he loses it. And as she told us in a quiet moment, basically beats her night and day. Because he is so frustrated and they can't make ends meet. And there is nowhere for her to go. Hmm. And and I can imagine that for both of them, the prospect of how more frequent these kinds of events are going to be in the future is scary. That this isn't a once-in-a-lifetime flood, a once-in-a-lifetime drought. That this is the reality more and more going forward. Yes, exactly. And it's not a once-in-a-lifetime hurricane, right? My home state of Florida and South Florida where I grew up, we know hurricanes. But what is happening is you're going to see more and more hurricanes and more severe hurricanes. 
And that has the kind of impact, displacing people, ruining homes, ruining businesses, um, where we see the stress just be overwhelming, the resources not enough to help everyone at their hour of need, and you see violence. And I know that your reporting has also highlighted situations where, you know, you see higher rates of femicide, of of, of killing of women, um, of trafficking, that, like, all of these things are related. Yeah. I mean, you do see a level of desperation when people in particular cannot feed their families, cannot keep a roof over their heads, that drives many to desperation, including, as we have written, um, selling their child off in marriage. Hmm. It's one less person to feed at home, and it brings a little bit of money in for the family members who stay together. It's heartbreaking. It's tragic. And the fear is that with more severe weather more often, you will see more people in desperate circumstances either lashing out or doing things that they may never have thought they could ever do. After the break, what isolation does to domestic violence survivors. We'll be right back. I'm Hannah Rosen, host of Radio Atlantic. Wait, really? Every week, we talk to Atlantic writers or other creative thinkers, and we take one idea and we road test it. Maybe what I'm asking is, is the problem them or us? Sometimes I change my mind about things. That's such a good point. I never thought of that. Maybe you will, too. Or at least you might see something differently. Ooh, that's fabulous. Radio Atlantic. New episodes every Thursday. How long has this been studied for in the past? Study is a serious, serious word, and we don't have real studies because we don't have the data. We have scientists telling us about climate change and severe weather. We have folks, as we quote in the story, saying, yes, there is definitely a link. We've seen it. But that is anecdotal. As important as that is, to make sure that this issue is not ignored or flicked away, we need more information, more data so that it's authoritative. And those in a position to do something about this, namely provide resources for those in potentially harm's way, they act on it because it's not something that may or may not happen. It's something that we know happens and must be taken seriously. Can you talk a little bit more about how isolation plays a role in that as well, when these extreme weather events cause women to be isolated? Debbie is a great example and an awful example of that. She's the woman in India who is affected by floods on a routine basis. She describes being essentially trapped in her home, not being able to leave. It's too dangerous to leave. And yet, there's no escape from that. So she is trapped with her abuser. Mm-hmm. 
कहाँ से लाएंगे कहाँ से करेंगे घर में छोड़ के बाहर नहीं जा सकते हैं जब बाढ़ होती है तो आप आप फंस जाते हो तभी चलावन का दिक्कत हो जाता है हर चीज का दिक्कत how terrible her experience has been but that if her daughter were going through something similar she would also advise her daughter to stay to endure because better times must be ahead right nahi aap unko ye sikhayenge agar wo aage chal ke aisi koi matlab pati ke taraf maar peet ki samasya unko hui to aap unko ye bolenge ki sahlo ki तुम जा सकती हो छोड़ के ऐसे नहीं नहीं कैसे बोलेंगे छोड़ के जाने के लिए सहेगी ना कभी ना कभी सुख दुख होगा तो सुख भी होगा ना कैसे बोलेंगे दैट इज यू नो सैडली आल्सो व्हाट एंट्रैप्स डेबी एंड सो मेनी अदर वुमेन इन दैट पार्ट ऑफ 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 इंडिया इज द नोशन दैट यू मस्ट स्टे इट इज योर ऑब्लिगेशन इट इज योर ड्यूटी एंड दैट इज समथिंग दैट सम फोक्स इन हर कम्युनिटी are trying to change let them know that you can reach out let them know that there's no shame in seeking safety but for right now devi and many other women not only feel physically trapped but they feel as if it's their obligation to stay even if it means they are being beaten there's also a woman that you spoke to in the philippines mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about her situation that was slightly different which is why we included it to show the range of experiences Ida Nas a 37 year old uh woman in the Philippines found herself and her her husband and children in a shelter for folks displaced from their homes because of typhoon so she literally was outside of her home you would think in a safe space but because it is again the stressors of not being able to even know whether your home exists not being able to work not being able to feed your kids being around strangers you know ida found that her her husband who also had a drinking problem and that is significant right we're not dismissing other factors at all but saying that he was so anxious he was so frustrated that he attacked her she fought back and luckily survived but there are other circumstances where we have found there's a, there's a a white paper for example on bangladesh and also people men and women and children going to a shelter after a storm not a domestic violence shelter but a shelter after the storm and women being routinely harassed abused disrespected and made to feel fearful if not worse So those are other situations where you don't necessarily have to be trapped in your home it's that you are trapped in terms of being truly in a safe space and being forced to be in the same space with your abuser or harassers or worse. Eva, you talked about why this kind of information is important because it's a message that can be delivered to public health officials people who are doing disaster response like this is something that you should be on the lookout for in the aftermath of a major event like a like a flood or a drought or hurricane or what have you but i wonder how much of that is happening already like are we seeing this knowledge being put into place or is this still a connection that most people haven't made i i think it's a connection that most people haven't made That said, most of the folks who we've spoken to who work in shelters acknowledge 
the correlation and that they sort of prepare themselves for the calls and for 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 the visits, but they don't have additional resources um, at their disposal to help women who are, you know, streaming into the, the shelters. That's where the lawmakers, the policymakers, those who hold the purse strings to say, yep, we, we need to dedicate more resources to providing safe haven for women and others who are being abused, beaten, so that they don't have to endure that kind of violence on top of the anxiety, the angst, and just the loss that comes with or, or from severe weather events. I mean, one of the things that we hear about domestic violence so often is that it is so underreported. And I wonder how that plays a role in the kind of data that you're able to collect or, or how much we really can know about the impact that climate change is having. That's an excellent and important point. And in fact, we do know all over the globe, women uh, resist coming forward. Women fear that if they come forward, things will only get worse for them. So this is one of those crimes and public health issues that are vastly underreported year in and year out. So imagine the data that we collect, the anecdotes that we collect, are really just the tip of the iceberg. If anything, we should be even more concerned about what is happening after severe weather. So when we're thinking about this problem, the fact that it looks like it is getting worse because of worsening climate change, I mean, one question that comes to mind is like, so for women who are in this situation, what should they do? Like, you know, what is the advice you give to people who are seeing climate change put them in these impossible situations? Um, what the folks who work with uh, women in these situations, um, the advice they give is leave find safe haven. So we're not giving them that advice. I just want to be clear, we're journalists, right? But where we feel a responsibility is that hopefully by raising awareness of this link and this problem, not only our first responders and those who could marshal resources to helping these women are on alert, but women who may be in a position where they, they may be in danger, are aware and at least can act. And it's especially true, I think, for women who have suffered abuse from a partner that they are still with. If you know that these stressors go through the roof and it's going to be impossible, essentially, for you to be safe and stay safe, seek help. And if those in a position to offer help are there and letting women know ahead of time, before the storm hits, we're here for you and we have space for you and your children, that may make a difference in a lot of people's lives. Eva, thank you so much. Thank you. Eva Rodriguez is the editor-in-chief of The Fuller Project, a nonprofit newsroom. If you or someone you know needs help, you can contact the National Domestic Violence Hotline. You can call it at 1-800-799-7233 or text the word START to 88788. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Jordan Marie Smith. 
It was mixed by Sean Carter and edited by Lucy Perkins. Thanks to Disha Shetty and Claire Cousins. I'm Elahe Izadi. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen.